Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? Can I start the podcast on a positive note today? I mean, I like to start every podcast on a positive note. I was going right? to say, don't we always? Yeah, I know. Try to I know, do but that. everybody knows what's coming later in the show. So um, it's been a, be a, it's been a long week. It's been exactly. a long week. If if you're the type of person who listens to a podcast about the SBC, you know it's been a long week. So yes. yeah, that's fair. Start yes. it. Start right. it off. Positive note. What you got? You know what today is? What? It's iPhone day. Yeah, I heard that this morning in a text thread that you and I are both a part of, and I didn't know it was iPhone day. I had no idea. So the new iPhone 13 Max and 13 Pro or whatever, 13 Pro Max, 13 Pro, they're dropping today. So people can that got them early, get them today. Yeah, it's also iPad Mini 6 today yeah, or apparently something. Apparently like there's that. new iPad Minis out. I I don't have anything to do with that, but Yeah. Well, I love my iPad Mini. I love my iPad Mini, but I it's mine's really old, so like first well, see, generation or something. So The 6 is out now, Amy. You can go get it. I could go check it out if I wanted. Yes. So I'm, I'm excited. I actually did pre-order an iPhone. I haven't had a new phone in about four or five years, so I'm still rolling an old one. I'm excited because I'm looking forward to a new camera on my phone because my, my camera on phone's not the greatest anymore, apparently. Yeah, because every time they come out with something greater, then that's it. You can't. Well, you know. but I've but been I'm, waiting. I've waited for yeah. four years, and AT&T had an $800 rebate thing, so that was pretty nice. Well, there you go. Sounds like fun. Yep. Good for you. All right. Well, I'm excited about that. And you know what also excited me this week, Amy, was seeing all of our friends from around the SBC at the EC meeting. Uh, that was really cool. It was good to see Keith. I hate that yeah. you were, were not able to make it. But got to see Keith and everybody from uh, Southeastern. So that was cool. And also our friends from Southwestern Seminary. Fall Preview Day is the perfect time to explore everything a college has to offer. So Texas Baptist College is excited to welcome new students to campus for Fall Preview Day on October 22nd. Students will have a chance to check out the campus, meet the professors, and talk to fellow students about their Texas Baptist College experience. You can visit texasbaptist.com slash preview to learn more and register for Fall Preview Day at Texas Baptist College. Actually, you know, that's that's on the campus of Southwestern, and they have a preview day that day, too. So if you're interested in Southwestern, you can go and view the seminary as well that day. So thanks again to Southwestern for sponsoring each and every episode here at SBC This Week. Same, you mentioned it at the top of the episode the executive committee meeting this week in Nashville, kind of a marathon meeting of sorts. A, a lot of business done. We'll get to the big part that everybody kind of wants to talk about probably at the end here. But uh, let's uh, start with some of the other business. I, I think one of the big pieces that may have gotten missed on Monday night, Stacy Bramlett elected vice chair of the executive committee. That was a big one. So Stacy is from Memphis. She is at, at Collierville first. In, uh, in West Tennessee, they're right outside of Memphis, like I said. She was elected on Monday. That was kind of one of the, the early things that was there. Richard Spring from California nominated her. And that's, that's a big deal. She's been on the EC since 2016. She was the secretary from 2017 to 2019. She's also served on the credentials committee and uh, was the, the chair at the yeah, beginning. The inaugural chair. That's right. And that was during a time when a lot of kind of the details were sort of getting ironed out. So, and I, Stacy, I really like Stacy. She is just a, she's, she's a kind person and I, I've enjoyed working with her and she is the first female vice chair. So you, you mentioned Richard Spring. He, he told me the other day, whenever he was leaving Nashville, that I had to mention that friend of the pod, Richard Spring, by the way. 
Is he really? That's really cool. I should have. I've never talked to him. I never talked to him at past EC meetings, so I didn't know. And That's I, fun. I could be wrong in this, but I think he's the new chairman of the board of the California Baptist Convention too. I had heard. I've so, heard that. I heard the yeah. same. So, so congratulations to Richard. Yeah. Completely unrelated. But yeah, yeah. So this he wanted that a was shout exciting. out. So there's your shout out, Richard. There you go. Uh, well, that was exciting, and it, it's kind of one of those things that uh, the first female vice chair would be potentially like the big story coming out, but <laughs> the, it, there was so much other stuff. So the reason here's one thing though, that, that is helpful. The reason that there was an election for vice chair is that in June at the normal meeting where officers are elected, Tom Tucker was elected vice chair at the meeting in June, but then he ended up not being placed back on the executive committee for his second term. Um, and so that was vacant. Yeah. Some other business. Okay, just a few other things. Uh, we, there's a bunch of links at Baptist Press about everything that went on this week. So you've got Dr. Litton spoke on Monday night. There's a full write-up of his talk, very good talk. And also, all of this is online. You can go watch everything. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, we still have the, we live streamed everything, so we have all the videos. You'll have to kind of bounce around and try to find whatever you want to find. But Yeah, I want to say something about that, how much I appreciate that, because the live streaming effort was something that, we had really started because this is an open plenary session and a lot of a lot of Southern Baptists have great interest in it. So obviously if they're in Nashville, they can come to these things. They're open to the public, but so many are not. And uh, I had not really gotten to benefit from that because I was always there. I was working part of the staff, but this time I was back in North Carolina in my office in, in Durham and uh, stayed that afternoon, like stayed through Tuesday afternoon, Monday night, I was watching it here at home, but I'm really, really thankful as someone who is not, who was not there, very thankful for that live stream. And it was also, it was pretty fun to, I was texting folks that were, uh, were there and, and texting with Keith. And then I saw him walk across the floor at one point. So it was kind of, kind of funny, but it felt like I was there. So thank you for doing that. No problem. And, and like you said, it's available online, put the link in the show notes. And uh, some other news. So that, that wasn't the only thing that happened. Obviously, there is the regular business of the executive committee. Uh, we'll run through this. There's a full story on all the committee news. And, and basically, the committees met. They did their stuff, brought it to the plenary. It was passed on as well. So the convention finances and stewardship, they recommended an $8.6 million operating budget for the EC this next year. Remember, they do the budget for the EC after the budget is approved by messengers in the summer. So you can't do the budget before you get the approval on the amount by the messengers. So that's kind of a, a procedural thing. Also, uh, they voted to explore potential processes for the examination of the use of non-disclosure agreements around the SBC. And they also talked about a, another motion that was referred about audited financials. So remember all the financials and everything, the audited financials are in the annual every year, which is out. Just uh, We just published that the other day, and I got a copy on its way to you, I think, Amy. Uh, so you'll have a copy of the annual. I know that's that's something you, you have your morning devotional with. Well, I have a whole library of annuals going back to 1845. Same. So yeah, so you got to have uh, you got to have access to all those things. Yes. 
So we got one headed your way. Uh, also, the Convention Missions and Ministry Committee met, and they, they approved a contract with an independent law firm, Friday Eldridge & Clark, uh, to study possible conflicts of interest. Uh, this is from a motion this summer as well uh, for the legal counsel for the executive committee as well as the convention, and heard some information related to the resolutions committee and uh, a possible you know full name change to Great Commission Baptist Convention. Uh, that's something that, that's kind of gone back almost a decade now. Realize that was uh, 2012 that that was announced, Amy. That's like that's right. this February would be the 10-year the mark of that. By the way, yep. the Committee on Convention Events and Strategic Planning heard from two messengers, one about remote voting and uh, satellite locations, as well as making Nashville the permanent home of the annual meeting. They declined to approve those proposals, though, uh, kind of keep things how they are. There's a, a bigger discussion, and maybe one day on the podcast we can talk about uh, a lot of the things that go on on that, because I think that's something that a lot of people talk about, but there's a lot of details and stuff that goes into that. It's a bigger discussion than just like, hey, we just need to have Zoom calls or whatever around the country. So um, that's that's a it's a be a good maybe a informational thing that we could talk about one day when we have a slow week, Amy. That's not this week though. Not yeah, slow. that's not this week. Not well, finally, the Southern Baptist Relations Committee uh, talked about the nominating speech guidelines for those wanting to nominate people as SBC officers. Uh, there was a motion from Steve Bailey, again, to mandate that the officer's CP percentage be in the... Be included uh, in nomination yeah, speeches. In the nomination speech. Yeah. So that 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 failed, as well as uh, they declined to add a fellowship meal Sunday, sorry, J. Allen Murray, and a Sunday of repentance to the SBC annual calendar. Hey, every week is fellowship meal Sunday, baby. That's right. Every week. That's right. I anticipated that wouldn't make it, but uh, I'm still sad for Alan Murray. So hey, you can drown your sorrows in a big old thing of banana pudding, mac and cheese, and fried chicken, Amy. There you go. There you go. That fellowship, actually sounds pretty good. Fellowship right meals now. are the best. It's seven o'clock in the morning and that, that sounds pretty good. I don't think there's a bad time for banana pudding, by the never, way. Never, never. So that's the committee news, except for one thing. And we'll kind of use this as our jumping off point. The EC also approved an allocation of $500,000 in legal fees from the EC reserves to go along with the working of the task force that is handling the independent third-party review of the executive committee by Guidepost Solutions. Now, Amy, that brings us to the big news of the week. So they had to figure something out. So they approved up to 500000 from reserves. And then if it were to go over that, then they'll come back together and kind of rethink where else. So that was that was something that was early on. And I think a lot of folks watching on the live stream were trying to figure out are we talking about the task force yet? But that was a, a kind of a housekeeping item related to the, the law firm. All right. So, but the big thing that everyone was watching at one point, I saw there were about 500 people watching uh, the live stream at one time. How do you know how many views you guys got, Jonathan? Um, I think it was, was it 12,000? I got a wow. little, I think, yeah, 12,000, 12,000 yeah, 12, sounds right. Page over views the, over to the, that. Yeah, over the the two days, right? So right. Not at the yeah, same time. that, that would that be, doesn't mean well, twelve thousand people watching at once, but yes. like a lot, a lot of people were tuning in. That's uh, that that's the the key there. So, I, I, what I wanted to do in this conversation, I, I was trying to think through how how we talk about this, how we address this. So much has been going on. And I even had moments where I could tell there's confusion happening in the room. There's kind of, you know, because, and that's not abnormal. That happens in debate, especially when it's going on for a long time. Especially with 85 people out there. Yeah. 
yeah, people get tired. People are, you're trying to keep details straight of, you know, what motion has said, what, who has said this and that. So what I thought I would do just to kind of recap everything is I thought I would just take us through the journey of this uh, motion with uh, I, I, almost like a little schoolhouse rock vibe. And, and I'm you hoping music underneath Amy. I do. I'm hoping okay, as I say I'll, this, I'll drop it under there. Okay. So most everyone, as I said, if you're listening to an SBC podcast, you are aware of what all has been going on, but just to give kind of quick background, this conversation about uh, sex abuse, about how churches handle it, about how entities handle it, about uh, how what we do when you know these these stories come forward, especially in a system like ours, which is very tenuous. It's full of kind of autonomous bodies that are working together. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a lane that they're in. This conversation about how we handle sex abuse in a system like this has is not new. It's been going on for a long time. Uh, for those of us really engaged in the convention at present, it's been a pretty continuous conversation, I would say, since uh, 2000, late 2017, 2018. Um, but it's been going on long before that, you know, there were conversations that really kicked up in 2007, 2008. Um, so this is not a new conversation, but what sparked this, what sparked the motion to begin with the original one was the leaking of a letter. So it was a leaking of a letter that was at the beginning of June, right before the annual meeting. A lot of folks are, are aware of that. When that letter leaked. That was a letter from Russell Moore uh, written to J.D. Greer as uh, as president of, of the Southern Baptist Convention at that time. When that letter leaked, it made reference to a lot of things related to how sex abuse was handled, and it raised a lot of questions in the public um, about that. And it was specifically about how the executive committee had handled it. So, Immediately, uh, Ronnie Floyd responded. He said, you know, I've received this copy. You know, my he, my recollections are, are somewhat different, but I take the allegations very seriously. So we're trying to develop, you know, the best path forward. He did that, you know, right after. All right. So then right before the annual meeting um, on June 11th, this was like just, I mean, it was the week before. It was like Friday before. Um, the executive committee announced that they had secured uh, guidepost solutions to do an independent assessment. All right. So start out independent review is coming to deal with the matters that were in the letter. When that dropped um, it, it, there were some folks out among the messengers that they, there were things that they didn't like about that. And so um, you can kind of go back and look at the stories at that time to see, to see what, but they, they said, we we're not, we don't like that. And honestly, in our processes, that's, if they don't like that, there's a way forward. So they decided to exercise it. So then it got announced or it had been announced already a desire for a, a third party investigation. It had been announced the week before that they were talking about it. So it was all kind of happening at the same time, but it sort of escalated the, the steps for that. Ronnie Parrott and Grant Gaines, two pastors, announced that they were going to ask the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, they did not know who that would be at the time, to appoint a task force. A couple of weeks before the SBC, they had already 
put out there that motion, the motion it kind of changed in wording from what they put on Twitter to what ended up coming on the floor of the convention. Now, one piece that is important is as the public is public conversation is happening, folks are learning about it, but the convention hasn't gone into session yet. Okay. The day before the annual meeting at the EC meeting, uh, an EC member, Jared Wellman, tried to add to the agenda a motion to expand the third party investigation, essentially to kind of line up with the motion that would be coming or something similar to it. That comes out. And so the executive committee talked about that possibility, the possibility of expanding scope, the privilege was brought up, you know, commissioning a public report, things like that. In that discussion with the EC on the day before the annual meeting, they chose not to add it to the agenda, not to to do it. So that motion failed. It didn't get added to the agenda, but there was some discussion about it. So that's on Monday. We go in on a Tuesday and that's the first, the kind of the first moment that it's brought and the motion goes on the floor. So Grant Gaines comes to the floor, makes the full motion from the messengers that is essentially saying president appoints a task force, task force has a larger scope, things like that. And the task force will essentially be the middle person with a third party firm. And what the text of the motion is at the task force website. So the motion goes on the floor. The next day, the Committee on Order of Business brought that back as a referral to the EC, essentially as an opportunity for the EC to take that request, which they could have turned around and said, okay, we'll give this to the president to, to name the task force. So it comes as a referral. When that happens... Uh, Grant Gaines made a speech on the floor, but he encouraged the EC that that was coming in, uh, new members and and others, to take it very seriously. And then another messenger, Todd Bankert from Indiana, came and made a motion to overturn that referral that the messengers themselves should deal with it. And when he did that, over uh, a, a large majority, it was an overwhelming majority of the messengers said that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to debate this. So that's how it ended up kind of in the hands of the messengers and not just an, a, a referral to the EC. So it's different than a normal referral. This actually came as an action from the messengers. Wednesday afternoon is when that debate happened on the floor. There was a lot of discussion sort of back and forth and it ultimately passed. And so what it did was it asked the incoming president Um, remember at the time that the motion was made, no one knew who that would be by the time debate happened, the messengers did. Um, and so Ed Litton was given sort of the direction by the messengers to name this task force. He did that. And, uh, so that, that announcement came out then within a month. So then the task force with chairman Bruce Frank and others, we've talked about that on here. They come together. There were several requests for the executive committee, Um, just involving a lot of aspects of it. And then they named Guidepost, who was the original firm that had been contracted with the EC. They named Guidepost to continue to handle this, but with a much wider scope and some specifics. So they came, that contract got posted publicly on September 9th. That's what this EC was dealing with. So what they were dealing with was the decision to sign the contract with Guidepost and then the question of privilege. So when it comes, 
They had a lot of discussion on Monday uh, with lawyers, with the uh, task force chairman, with guidepost, all of those things. And then we go into Tuesday when this was supposed to be debated on Tuesday. There was a lot of delay before coming back from lunch and uh, presumably because there was a lot of discussion going on to sort of nail down the response. The officers came back with a motion that essentially was just asking for more time. I mean, that's that's really what it was. was but but also say, fully funding. That, that yes. needs to be noted, too. Like the, yeah. the funding of the, the task force and the review has never really been in doubt. The EC. That's has, right. They, the, the, EC, the EC approved that, didn't have an issue. They just kind of said, yes, let's go. That That's never been at, at issue. So I, I do want to point that out. Yeah. So. They they come it's 1. back. It's one point six million dollars, by the way, based on the budget provided by Guidepost. So they come out and say they're going to authorize payment equal to the budget, subject to the achievement of an acceptable agreement on a way forward. And then they authorize the officers to work on behalf of the full board. This when this landed, there were a lot of concerns among the board members about the the wording of that particular motion, and that's when it got a little crazy. So you had substitute motion after substitute motion after substitute motion. You had one that came forward from Jared Wellman that basically scrapped this entire thing, said, we agree to all of it. Let's go. That failed. It was about 55 to 20. And one thing that was, I think, on a, from a parliamentary standpoint that was confusing is instead of voting this down, which they could have when the amendments were coming, they basically were like, no, we just want to replace the whole thing. That's, that's how, um, and, and confusing doesn't mean bad. It's just, it's a way to do it. So yeah, when instead that of trying to saying, amend bits and pieces, bits and pieces, they were like, no, right. that is not acceptable. We Don't want do a that substitute. One, do this one. Yeah. So when that one failed, um, Ed Litton came up and and essentially just said, what if we do it this way? But he didn't have language. So they kind of hammered out some language uh, and he put put something on the floor. But while they were working on that, another EC member, Melissa Golden, a new one from Alabama, new new member, came and and in a sense distilled what she was hearing different people say in debate as important to them. And so she brought it. And it was it still kind of put some things on hold, but it was much more specific. Seven days asking the task force and officers to agree on a contract and fully funding it. But it said without waiving complete attorney client privilege at this time that it's and it said that it's at this point, it's not yet being waived, but is being fleshed out in negotiate through negotiation. And they were asking get this taken care of by September 28th. So when she puts hers on the floor, then there was another amendment to hers that was changing the amount. Uh, then it got kind of chaotic. So yeah, at and that some wasn't, point they, they didn't want to do that. They just was like, well, if we're only doing it for seven days, let's just give them enough to get started. Right. But that, that was a non-starter it seemed with the committee. Right. So then we start getting motions withdrawn, like uh, pulling back. So then at the end, Melissa was about to withdraw her motion and someone on the EC, not not because of it being bad, but just procedurally. All right, let's just take care of this first one. Someone on the EC, because someone can say, no, I don't want her to withdraw it, said, no, I don't. We, we like this. Let's not withdraw it. And then they voted for it. Now, the funny thing that I think a lot of people didn't understand is they had to vote for it twice. Yeah, you have to vote to substitute it and then you have to vote to approve it. Right. So the motion on the floor is the one that was introduced. Then you're voting to say, yeah, let's substitute hers. 
Now, once you've substituted hers, now that's the motion on the floor. You got to take care of that. So voted again. So at this stage, that's where we are. We're in sort of the already not yet. The review has oh, started. See what you did there. The question of privilege is supposed to still be on the table, be worked out, and they have until Tuesday. Now, there have been some responses from EC members already. There was a statement from a uh, sort of a, almost like a minority group, minority statement calling for things. So there's still a lot of discussion. One thing that's important to remember both in the this, uh, both in what the convention did and in what the EC has done, and everyone's playing their role. Convention spoke, president did what he needed to do, task force is doing. Now the EC is responding to all the things. Once they do, then the then then the convention will will look at what's happened. They will will process that. We hear a lot of comments that are in debate, lots of different perspectives. That room had people on way different sides of this issue. We also see lots of Twitter threads here, public statements. Those are all fair game, wide open. That's part of a transparent process like we have. Um, but what we have to remember is the only thing that we can formally work with are the words of the motions that pass. So right now, what's on the, the table is the motion the, that the messengers passed, the words of that, and now the motion that the EC has passed. And now we have to see where we get on Tuesday and what comes out of the work that's been done over the seven days. And uh, in that, there are, are folks that are calling for prayer. Um, the makers of the motion, Grant Gaines and Ronnie Parrott, have been calling for uh, seven days of fasting and prayer. I know a lot of other people echoing that. The EC released a statement after everything was kind of finished on Wednesday saying that this week the executive committee fully funded the review, in effect beginning the formal review process, and moved the critical discussions further in a spirit of unity and cooperation, even if some of the substantive issues remain unresolved. That'd be the, the privilege issue we're talking about. We ask Southern Baptists to pray, especially over the next seven days, that the ultimate outcome of this process strengthens and unifies our convention as it relates to this independent review, but especially as it relates to our collective concern for survivors of sexual abuse. Yeah. And, and so that's where we are. We're all, I mean, I don't have anything to do in this, but pray at this moment. But what I think we need to remember is, is the importance of all of us, no matter where, where we are in the system, to have the resolve that we have a denominational culture where predators cannot hide. Yeah, that's the, that needs to be the end game, right? That's the that has to be the end game for everyone, and uh, and our autonomy means not that this not that like okay this group is dealing with it or this entity is dealing with it or this church is dealing with it so it's not my problem. Autonomy means we all show up to the table. And so, um, and, and do our part in our area, in our lane. So that is my, uh, that's my overarching prayer for this whole process. Um, but I'm definitely in the short term praying for all the people that are involved directly in this. Well, a lot still going on. We'll find out more. Obviously, uh, there'll be information released through Baptist Press if and when a resolution is resolved. 
you know, the, the clock is kind of ticking. Like you said, it, uh, Tuesday is kind of the deadline. It set it in the motion the 28th uh, that the executive committee passed. So uh, it'll be a busy weekend, I'm sure, for many EC members and officers alike. So uh, we'll keep you updated on that. If anything new drops about all this, you know, obviously you'll be able to find it over at Baptist Press and online on our Twitter handles. Amy, uh, one other piece of the EC meeting that we haven't mentioned yet was entity reports. So we each of the entity heads gave a little report, so it was good to see all of them. And I, I thought, and I tweeted this out the other night, one of the best entity reports that I uh, heard this week, uh, and one of the best parts of it was the ERLC report from Brent Leatherwood. That was yeah, great. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was and, great. And he ended with a take on the cooperative program and, and just like a charge for cooperation that I thought was really good. So I pulled the audio, and I'm going to play that right here uh, for folks to hear it because I, I think Brent kind of sums up the essence of cooperation in the cooperative program in a way that I haven't heard it in a while, in a way that I, I really like. So uh, here's the audio from Brent Leatherwood, the acting president of the ERLC. We believe that when we are advocating before our nation's lawmakers to see the dignity of each and every preborn life, it complements the work of our seminaries who teach the full understanding of Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And that complements the work of NAM, that is planning churches who loudly proclaim the reality of the Imago Dei in their communities. And that calls out the best of us who are called to serve with the IMB to reach the nations with the truth of the Imago Dei. And that heartens our fellow Southern Baptists who want to joyfully support this cooperative work and give more to our amazing and ingenious cooperative program which you have the responsibility of stewarding forward in meetings just like this. That is exactly how our interdependence on one another makes the beautiful circle of the CP go. And your ERLC is grateful to be on mission with you. Onward with the Great Commission. Yeah, I was cheering from North Carolina when I heard him give that speech. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. Well done, Brent. Good first week as the acting president. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no pressure. Uh, just right get up there the and, and and you know in front of the EC and give your entity report. So, uh, but he did a fantastic job. Also, a couple of exciting things. Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway, presented four hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the IMB and NAM uh, from the summer missions. Remember, they take missions offerings up yeah. every year at the summer camps. Had fourteen hundred people saved. Uh, this summer at summer camps at Lifeway, just an incredible number there, and raised $450,000 from missions. He presented a check to Paul Chitwood and Kevin Ezell for that. Paul Chitwood also announced that we have surpassed $160 million for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. He doesn't have a final total. That'll be coming out, I think, next week whenever the budget year ends because budget year ends uh, this coming Thursday, the 30th of September. So a new budget year starts on Friday, October the 1st. So once they have the final totals, we'll hear that. So expect a, a great total for Lottie Moon Christmas offering giving in 2021. So that that's exciting news. And then also Kevin Ezell gave us a, a note from NAM, and I'm going to be in Pittsburgh next week to celebrate with them on this, but they have the highest Annie Armstrong Easter offering ever. So we got the second highest Lottie Moon, highest Annie Armstrong Easter offering ever. Uh, they don't have a total yet, but it's going to be over that $62 million that we saw just a couple of years ago. And what a bounce back from last year's giving uh, due to COVID. You know, it had the big drop in Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So bounce back for the biggest year ever. And also in the process, 
surpassed $2 billion. You got to hold your pinky up. I mean, $2 billion in giving all time to Annie Armstrong. Very exciting. That's a huge, huge, huge benchmark. So congratulations to our friends over at the North American Mission Board, as well as IMB on those great reports. And Amy, we have another great report from your home state of North Carolina. Yep. Fill the tank, which was baptism Sunday. Uh, There was a big initiative for churches to be baptizing all on the same day and kind of setting up. My church did. I got to watch one. It's very exciting. And so nearly 700 North Carolina Baptist churches were participating in it and uh, that they know. 300, more than 320 reported nearly 1,600 baptisms from across the state. Incredible. Very so exciting. So you kind of think about that. It, it may be, up, you know, when they get all the final counting, 17, 1,800, 2,000, whatever the number might be, whenever they finally get all the numbers in. So just an incredible, incredible Baptism Sunday there in North Carolina and across the country. I mean, this is just one state reporting. Um, you know, there was a huge initiative in North Carolina, so we got that information from them. So uh, I know a lot of other states did a ton on Baptism Sunday. A lot of churches did as well. So a great initiative, and hopefully we're seeing that turnaround in baptisms as we move forward in the SBC. Amy, some some sad news here in the Nashville area. I know you have a connection to this church, but Axis Church, just uh, maybe a stone's throw basically from the executive committee building where I'm going to work every day, had a Molotov cocktail thrown into its building, lost a lot of furniture and some equipment as well. Uh, just just a random act. They don't really have any suspects or anything at this time, but uh, a really, really senseless act of violence toward Axis Church here in Nashville. Yeah, that's in the Germantown area, and it uh, it was... It was planted when we were living in Nashville, so we visited it some and and uh, had some partnerships. The church that we were uh, that we were in had some partnerships with them, and and just very excited for the work that they're doing. And so when I saw this, I thought this is really you know sad. The the pastor Jeremy Rose um, has been really committed to that area for a very long time, and so it's just it's just really really tough. And as he said, you know, that despite the dynamics of the community changing over the years, their mission, you know, remains, it's been, it has been a real changing part of town uh, as Nashville has developed and as Nashville has just changed over the last 10 years, but they're just reminded of their mission. They're reminded of, of what their goal is and the community that they want to reach. And I love that they said, um, our message to this perpetrator is don't come through the window, come through the door. Don't feel like you have to break the window to get in. So there's a, there's actually surveillance video of that in the Baptist press story. And it's just so bizarre. You just, I mean, you're just sitting there and all of a sudden you see the Molotov cocktail come flying through the window. It, it's insane. I've never seen anything like that. So uh, be in prayer for them. They, they are, they met Sunday. They're kicking along. And uh, Jeremy Rose, the pastor there is, kind of really taking this in stride, like you said, I mean, you know, with that message to the perpetrator, um, just, you know, a a great act of grace and uh, leadership as they deal with this uh, senseless act of violence. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. I thought we needed something light. Um, So we're going to go to 1965. Oh, you're not going to go with the fake singer guy. No, I'm not. Okay. You did that one. So that was a, I, I don't, that was a wild I, I one. Thursday's like morning briefing had a fantastic story about a fake singer, uh, like an imposter, who was barely adequate, as it was said in the story. 
Well, you should drop that one in too. So it'll be like the surprise. I'm yeah. going to 1965, end okay. of an era. It was a small era, five and a half years, but still end of an era. This was the end of the Southern Baptist Convention teletype service. They were announcing that it would end, that the teletype service would be disconnected on October 31st after being in operation five and a half years. So this is how state papers and Baptist convention offices would connect uh, for Baptist press news stories or for messages concerning policy and administration to go from uh, like the executive committee to state conventions or just any messages that need to go out. This is, you know, this is way before internet and Twitter and, you know, things like that, obviously. And so they had to have ways to go out. So this sort of old fashioned, you know, a little better than the telegraph, not, you know, Morse code ticking out, but these teletype machines that were all over the place. So this was a, um, a technological development that was helpful kind of probably in the business world and other places, but it was, as far as they knew, the largest sort of teletype system among denominational networks. And so they had four, um, they, they had several Baptist press news service items. The Sunday school board had teletype to link with Ridgecrest and Glorietta, things like that. But this was the one that was used for that. But what was interesting about it as they were saying that it was going to be uh, at the end. And the reason they were terminating is because there was a rate increase. So they had, they had to decide for budget cuts to not do it anymore. But the headline said the network, which once sparked a teletype romance and marriage between two operators who met over its wires, it will be ending, man. I had to, uh, I, I had to, to look that up. So I actually found two romances that were started over teletype by folks working uh, in Baptist uh, in Baptist denominational offices. And so I'm going to drop those stories in the show notes too. One in 1961, uh, Pat Tullis and James Newton marry, were marry, going to marry in Clinton, Mississippi. And uh, Pat was, uh, it actually said, uh, they call it the, the story called them uh, Pert Pat and journalist Jim. So Pat worked for the uh, Baptist Record and Mississippi Baptist Convention office. And Jim worked for the Baptist General Convention of Texas. And so they started they they she sent out an assignment or she got an assignment and she asked people for writing tips and Jim responded and they started talking back and forth on teletype and then in 1962 Sharon Williams and Jim Cox um also uh got introduced on the teletype network and they were getting ready to be married as well so um the it was five and a half years but five and a half life-changing years for some Um, And it was the way that our news services communicated. So sad announcement, end of an era in 1965, this week in SBC history. So teletype or tinder type? Pert Pat and journalist Jim, they might call it either thing. Wow. Either one. That is amazing. I, I... Okay. Yeah. I just... That is the strangest thing. I did not expect this to go that direction. So... Yeah. Well, I saw it and I thought... I thought, you know, this is a heavy week and we have a lot, we have a lot of things that we are waiting on and a lot of hope for, uh, for, for what is to come in the next week. And so I needed something to make me smile. Mm. 
All right, that's going to bring us to our resource of the week. My resource of the week is the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering Resources from IMB. Those have been released and are available for you to download, to order, uh, to get, as it should be hitting churches' mailboxes soon as well. But the information for our week of prayer for International Missions and Lottie Moon Christmas Offering is now available. So check those out. That is over at the Lottie Moon area of the IMB website. Go to imb.org and you'll see the Lottie Moon resources. There's a link on Baptist Press as well for those. Uh, Get the resources for your church, set your church's goal, and promote the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Uh, Like I said, we're going to have our second largest Lottie Moon Christmas Offering in history this year. Next year, let's make it number one. Amy, your resource of the week is? Mine is a new album by Taylor Linhart. She is an artist that's actually from the Raleigh area. Amy loves some Taylor Linhart, y'all. Yeah, but she's relocated to Nashville, so now she's in your neck of the woods. Uh, She dropped a new album called Hold Still. I absolutely love it. I've been playing it on repeat this week, and um, it's, it's been great. Uh, I'm all about some music therapy, so it's been great uh, for me to have in the background and in the car when I'm running around. So uh, definitely check it out. I put a link there that goes to, you know, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Amazon, whatever, however you listen. It's a, it's a great, great, great album. Highly recommend. Amy and Jonathan, both fans of Taylor's. That's right. And you got a Taylor CD this week that I, that I, I put you onto. She signed, she yeah, signed some all copies of, these- of fearless. Yeah. Yeah. And so I sent that your way and you, you were able to grab one. Also big shout out to Patrick Schreiner, your new favorite author, my new favorite author, Patrick Schreiner. Sorry, Jared Wilson. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, someone pointed out that in a footnote, he pointed, he had something. It was Paul, a, you know, was bit by the, yes. The shaking snake, off the scorpion. And he yeah. shook it off footnote, yeah. just like Taylor Swift. Yeah. So uh, that that's that's really cool. Patrick Schreiner's climbing the charts with you. Yes, well, he's at the top of the chart. He's not climbing anymore. To straight to the top. So, all right. Um, as we close, I do want to bring it back and say, please, everyone. Um, it, again, I've said this two or three times. If you, anybody who's listening, if you're the type of person that listens to a podcast about the SBC, then that means that you care about this. Um, and what we want is uh, what we all want is to be able to have a, a a discussion, a transparent discussion about what it means to handle abuse in a way that on, that, that cares for people that honors the Lord. And that's the goal of this whole process. So we need to pray that all the sort of details get worked out so that we can move forward toward that. Yes, um, And that's where my heart is. Jonathan, I know that's where your heart is. I believe that's where the heart of our listeners, uh, the hearts of our listeners are. And at, we're at a stage where I believe the Holy Spirit needs to work and uh, we need to ask the Lord to settle this. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's kind of where we are. Again, uh, we'll be bringing you probably all the details of, of this week's results next week here on the show. So uh, be in prayer for that, like Amy said, and we will wait and see where things land up over this next week. But Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. 